podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror Man, Mirror Man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror Man. Good morning and welcome to a midweek edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I have a fresh new mix on the line. I'd like to welcome Ash. Hello, mate. Good to see you again. Good to have you back on. And I'd like to introduce Dan. Dan. Hello there. Good to have you on, mate. Good to have you on. Thanks. Good to be back. I'm glad I could shame you into bringing me back on the pod. Hey, hey, that's outrageous. Listen, I've just learned a new skill, and that is called Skyping people in. No, Google Hangouts people in. So I'm very excited to be able to um, have Ash. Where are you based at the moment? Where are you? I'm in California, unfortunately. California. Oh, mind you, it's fucking freezing here. So um, Yeah, you're very fortunate, my friend. <laughs> and Dan, you're just over in Manhattan right now. Yeah, just uh, just across the river, buddy. How are you doing over there? Uh, with, I'm doing great. It feels good to be a foreign fan. Let me tell you, really, really good, uh, especially <laughs> right now because um, Arsenal has not been the most enjoyable place at the moment. But I feel like uh, the misery is somewhat coming to a conclusion. Um, Dan, first, like, tell me, give me, a, give me a few of your thoughts. How are you feeling about um, Team Emery at the moment? Um, I've, I've been, uh, on, not on team memory for a, a good while now, but, uh, I'm surprised to say you think it's coming to an end based on, uh, the recent, recent rumblings and, uh, club leaks and statements and whatnot. Cause it's, it seems like it's dragging on forever now. Uh, yeah, I know it doesn't sound good. Like Ash, what do you make of, um, of Raul Sanheli's, uh, digging in of the heels? Um, I was, you know, I've, I've kind of, I've had a pretty adverse reaction to the way they handled all of this, which we can talk about, no doubt, uh, especially the briefing on Sunday. But uh, I can see their position. And also, you've got to remember, we're a club that hasn't got a history of doing this. So Raul aside, at, you know, sort of in his previous 10 years at Barcelona, where he didn't really have to fire a manager at all. Um, a lot of these guys are kind of having to deal with this approach for the very first time. I mean, our board, which is notionally doesn't have to exist anyway, um, hasn't been together and fired a manager before. It's as simple as that. Um, so I think they're going to afford the guy, but I think the, the vote of confidence has come now. So he, it is a, he's, Emery's got to fix it or he's, or he's out the door. Now, I've always maintained, I think he should go now. I don't think he is going to turn it around. I think the rot has set in. If you go back into last season, actually, the number of Premier League wins, it's really bad, the ratio, actually. Um, it's something like, what have we won? Two in eight games? I think it's like five in 19 when you look at it or something like that. Um, or crazy. But Very much a hangover uh, from last season, right? Yeah, it really is. And I think the way that he's... He's definitely not got control of the dressing room. So on that basis, I don't really see the point in continuing. That said, the club have made their decision. Apparently, we're just noise, which was lovely to hear. 
Oh, what, um, what a faux pas. What a faux pas. That's uh, very, much, uh, very much of the Peter Hillwood, thank you for your interest in our affairs. Oh, yeah. Same thing all over. Same thing again. 100%. But if you're going to brief a journalist, especially one that's quite smart, um, and you're going to do it on the record with, without being named, that word noise, I, Ornstein won't have come up with that by himself. He will have, someone will have used that word explicitly or repeatedly with it. Um, which is just another big fuck off to the fans, isn't it? I, Definitely. It, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think they're down there. So, so I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a good way to break this up, but I think, um, I think one of the points that you've just touched on there, Ash, is Arsenal have had a very tough time with PR this season. It's, uh, it's certainly not the slick days of Ivan Gazidis and Arsene Wenger talking about handbrakes, loaves of bread, uh, and, and, and doing a great job of convincing you that greatness was not winning trophies. So I just want to talk about some of the bad, um, the bad press and, and whether you think that, like, you know, what do you think is behind the general problem? So, so far this season, we've had um, the Granite Jacker captaincy, um, which, you know, wasn't secured until, until September. Then the the club allowed uh, a press leak that Unai Emery did a, a democratic vote around that. Then we had the Granite Jacker throw the shirt and tell the fans to fuck off twice. Um, the club couldn't control him and get him to apologise. We've got this bizarre situation where our two best strikers seem to be involved in some sort of guerrilla warfare with the Instagram like button. Um, and just social media in general, we had Lacazette liking uh, troops posts, which I find it, like unbelievably trivial. But then we had a, a post from him yesterday, uh, our captain, furious that people are criticizing who he hangs out with. Um, and then we've got the Unai Emery mess where the, the club have aggressively um, briefed against the fans. And then literally a day later, they kind of pivoted uh, to a more you know, classic Arsenal response. Do, do, we, um, do we have two people in charge of the football side of things that aren't listening to the people who've been embedded in the game for a long time? Do you think, like, and I put this to you, Dan, first, do, do you think there's an overall lack of cultural awareness at the club now? Do Raul, Edu and Emery combined make for the ultimate nightmare sandwich when it comes for understanding how the league and how the fans work? Or am I reading into it too much? I don't know. You may be overreading into it because I, I think Raul, coming from a, a big club, would have his his finger on the pulse somewhat. But you know, judging by his statements and actions, may, maybe you're right, maybe not. Like it's it's actually it's really pathetic to me and embarrassing whenever whenever uh, the our, our co CEOs or whatever they happen to be like have to trot out statements, and it's it's just really the same old. And it's like be, besides the uh, the noise comment being an fu, even more worrying is that is them attributing. Then. How, how could you how could you look past the actual performance or the on the on pitch product and not take take issue with that? Yeah, I, um, same same question to you, Ash. Do you think that this is um, do, do you think this is a failing of leadership or do you think this is a failing of cultural understanding from uh, Raúl and Edu? I I've I've thought long and hard about this as well. I um my immediate reaction if you'd asked me this question yesterday morning would have been um yes. The more I look at it and the more I think about it, and I rewatched uh a lot of the Raul and Vinay interviews that were done by 
uh, Pravda, sorry, the club, um, uh, in the summer, talking about the structure and all of those kinds of things. I think it's very clear that actually the buck stops with one person, that it's not those two. I think it's definitely Josh Kroenke. Um, and I don't think, if you think about their experience in sport, you know, they've, they they again, you know, this isn't the very, this isn't the nature of US sport where they've got the most of their experience. Um, so I, I think there is definitely a Josh Kroenke thing. I think there is dysfunction in the football side of the operation. I think, I think Raul probably is being a little bit um, gung-ho around how he's sort of throwing his weight around. He's got a bit of a track record of that. Um, I don't think Edu's involved at all in any of this. I think Edu's, Edu's job, when you get down to the details, isn't to sack and appoint the manager. It's to be, be that bridge between the football operations, uh, the scouting, and, and the academy. So I think... There's that. I think there's probably a comms team that are running around being reactive because they're not used to this kind of scenario. And this is the mess you end up in. I think the other piece that hasn't helped throughout all of this is obviously the players aren't there. They're with their national teams. So they're out of the jurisdiction and the control of their clubs. So you get another interview from from Granite where he may as well have told us to fuck off again. You know, the word sorry didn't come out of his mouth. And all of this, you know... I have my Instagram and I have all of this for for my fans. Seriously, mate, it's a stupid thing. Don't look at it or delete it. If, if you don't want to see those things, don't be on the platform because the, the, we unfortunately live in a very sad place and it's going to be on there. Uh, yeah. I, 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 and, I, as, I, as, and as a leader and as a captain, you should know better. Yeah, I, I, but I, I think the... I think that that speaks to a to a larger point, and um, I, I've mentioned it a few times. But I've got some reasonably interesting tidbits about the Europa League final, and a lot of the players were very distressed that they had to be uh, in Azerbaijan the the uh, a day earlier than they'd hoped, and that kind of rattled the preparation. So a lot of the players were you know running around. Uh, very unfocused because they were in a place that they didn't want to be, you know, having been flown in by private jet, the poor things. Um, but that that spoke to a few things um, that were going on last season. I hope they do would solve. I mean, we've got the um, we've got the the embarrassing David Brent like end of season reviews um, with Unai Emery players waiting outside the office, like that. You know, you're at a, some sort of accountancy firm. Then we had the the the, the bus operator guy leading motivational speeches and having fights in the tunnel. And I was kind of hoping that Una Emery would come in and, and stop a lot of the madness that was going on at the training ground. And, and let me tell you, there are a lot crazier things um, that were going on that haven't come out yet. But, um, the, but this season, Edu's come in and he's been in a fair amount of time. And when things are going wrong at the club, things leak. Uh, you've got Miguel Delaney saying that the, the young players are taking the piss out of Emery behind his back and it goes deeper than good evening. You've got a lack of control over players and what they're doing on social media, which shows a bit of disunity. Um, you've got the captain's vote. Like, I just can't believe that anybody would listen to David Priestley, who has a horrific track record as a sports psychologist, and allow him to push the club into making the, the vote for the captaincy a, a democratic one. And now we're here with the, the vote of confidence. It feels, it, it, it feels like the things that we'd hope a technical director would come in and sort out have not been sorted out. 
um, which which is worrying. I mean, like like Raul does not get benefit of the doubt. A lot of the footballing decisions that he he's made over the last. Uh, two years don't look to be particularly on sound ground at the moment, but Edu still gets benefit of the doubt. But someone's got to get control of that Arsenal camp. I'm, you know, do, do you think I'm I, off base there? No, no, no. I think the thing is out of control. I think Emery hasn't got control. And I think the dysfunction is we're used to having a manager and all of a sudden we haven't got a manager, we've got a head coach. So, but that said, Emery's got to get a grip of the first team squad. That's his job, Right. At the end of the day, it is to train them and it's to get the team ready for the weekends and whatever games we've got and get them to perform. And part of that is actually putting some structure and management around how you manage that group of players. It's, it's just clearly not happening. Yes, yeah. he's got a, he's got he's gotten um, su- such a disconnect with the squad be, beyond all the uh, issues of um, implementing an ideas just on like a, a man management basis. I feel he struggles so much. And the, the whole idea, both from him and the club, handling the squad just appears totally incoherent. Like, if, if you look at, on, on, in his career, we've, uh, we've uh, changed our minds on Ramsey and chased him off. We've attempted to freeze out Oatsville and then Twice. brought him back. We've uh, got Torreira, probably our, our best deep midfielder, playing, when he does, highest up the pitch. And you just look, we've got uh, Jaka promoted to captain and played into the ground even when he was not performing and not not meriting a place. And and that's t- to the extent that the fans turned on him. And so if you look at it, that's that's pretty much every every uh, best midfield position you can think of. The Something has gone wrong on on a man management basis. Dan, you speak, f- Dan, you speak fluent Spanish. Um, uh, that's so, a lie. Uh, well, you, okay, so maybe you don't speak fluent Spanish, um, but I was trying to introduce you as an expert of language there, so you've ruined that. Yes. But my, my, my point, um, my point, uh, like across the board, is uh, like I, I wonder if the lack of a native tongue in that group of people has an impact. Like it, it, Emery clearly can't hear what's fully going on because he doesn't exactly so, understand. Do we think that that could be a, a, I, a, a thing? So here's what I'm going to tell you. I've studied a lot of languages. I've got a degree in a language. I speak a number yeah, of them fluently. Well, what are you asking me for, man? And <laughs> well, we've got a languages expert on the panel. Yeah. And uh, I think there's definitely an issue. I think you look at the way... So firstly, I found out today, doing a lot more reading, that uh, Freddie actually started taking Spanish lessons before this because he had anticipated there being an issue. Elite um, thinking. So that, elite mentality, that is. Elite mentality. That is... That is quite interesting. And then um, I think when you look at the progression of Emery's English, um, there, there definitely is because it's, it's got to a level. But if you, if you literally go and re- listen to all his interviews, it's the same words in different orders every week. So that you can't say for one minute that there isn't a language issue there. We've got players from all over the world. The one thing they have in common is they are in England and they are living in England and they speak English. And this isn't some kind of Brexit party talk, but, you know, doesn't matter where you're from. That's always been the language of the club and that's how it works. Now you have different nationalities and people will communicate in different languages, but ultimately it cohesively comes together in that way. And the guy at the very top can't get his message across and nor it appears can his coaches. The one person that appears to be getting across is, is Freddie and the players are genuinely looking to him to help them out, especially the young players. But um, 
I don't know, Raoul's English is excellent. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's colloquial and, and, and really solid. Unai's and mildly no, threatening uh, as well. And Unai, <laughs> but Unai's is nowhere, nowhere near that. Well, Raul, Raul has that great um, gravelly effect of, you know, smoking 20 packs a day of Marble Reds. Um, but I think the, uh, the language thing's a, a bit overblown in that there, it's international football. There's, there's always top managers coming in from other countries, and there's, there's such a developed club culture now to, to handle that and, and help translate their ideas. Uh, I think, obviously, it is a red flag that, that Emery's English has not seemed to progress much at all in this time. So that's worrying. But I think the issue is more the, the ideas themselves that he's trying the to substance. transmit. The substance yeah. of what he's trying to... Like, you could get, you can get plenty of guys to, to help you um, translate your message. Or, you know, you can get players who understand better as well to, to help transmit it to, to, their, uh, to their teammates. But, but what, what the problem, I think, for me is, is that there, there doesn't seem to be any, any consistent idea or, or um, it's, it's, it's his trouble implementing what he wants or explaining what he wants because what, what he wants is not something easy for a player to take and do anything with. But do you think so? Do you, like my my um, the thing that I always ask myself is is uh, is, is what he's asking um, is it like is he asking something that um, is is a bad idea or is it, like is he just not able to explain what he wants? Because uh, like he's he's been successful in the past, right? I mean, he had a good time at Sevilla. He outsmarted. Uh, Jurgen Klopp in his first season, you know, he, he let the let the Liverpool side wear themselves out after 60 minutes and then took them down uh, in the last 30 in a Europa League final. He has won three Europa League finals. I know it's not a premier competition, but there must have been an idea before. Like, how how has everything gone so wrong for him so quickly um, at Arsenal? Or is it just now the players aren't interested? I think it's a combination of the two, isn't it? I think the Premier League is is a brutal league in comparison to the rest of those leagues. I mean, at Seville, he would never have been expected to finish in the top four. Uh, you know, the demands would have been, you know, top eight, do what you can with the money. You know, then they're not a massive club. They're not saying they're a small club. And there's still a mentality that you lose on the road and you win at home in, the, in La Liga uh, for some of those kind of tier two teams. So I think he's I think he's been found wanting. Um, the thing, going just sort of touching on what you finished on the, on the language point is is Dan, what you said, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So it doesn't matter what you're translating; if it makes no sense anyway, um, the players aren't going to respond to it. Um, yeah, just look at the line. When's the last time you looked at the lineup and and then and they came right out and you said, "Oh, I see exactly what the what the plan is here." I mean, totally. I mean, in fairness, um, I, like, I, I tweeted at the weekend um, when we, um, we were playing Leicester and the, the, our front three felt very immobile and someone messaged and they were like, no, I think, I think that that's his strategy to make the defenders play the ball out the back. And it's like, you don't know whether it is an accident or there's insolence going on, on the pitch. So even when he is doing things that are t- you know, tactically sound, he's, he's been so inco- incoherent over the last 16 months that it's very difficult to attribute any sort of praise because you're not quite sure you know what he was choosing to do on that particular day right and his 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 strategy is so fundamentally reactive to every situation that it's hard to see any idea he's trying to implement you know it's you're you're always seeing that he's i forget his quote but you know he's like it's 
30% his idea and 98% respecting the, the opposition and whatever else. It, it, it comes across when we play that, that he's a, he usually uh, trots out some, some uh, strange formation. You don't really know what's happening. Doesn't seem to click, doesn't achieve a lot besides allowing shots. And then he'll change it up to something else based on what's happening in game. And you know, like uh, super basic here, but I, I never understand why managers under fire do particularly odd things with their starting 11 that almost exacerbate the problem. Um, Meza Ozil should uh, should not be playing uh, near the base of midfield. Torreira should not be a number ten. Um, like Granite Jacker should not be the captain of your side. Yeah, he ma- he makes all of these um, very unpopular decisions. And if you're gonna if you're gonna do things like that, there always has to be a payoff. Arsene Wenger took a winger um, from Juventus and played him as a striker there was a payoff. Arsene Wenger took a defensive midfielder um, from Mallorca and played him at right back. You know, there was a payoff. There hasn't... I don't think Emery has had a transformational payoff with any player. I mean, Maitland-Niles, no. Um, Kalasanak, not really. Iwobi, no. Um, I, I, I don't see where... It, I, I don't see why he keeps on making these same mistakes over and over again. And then the, 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 the painful thing is that when he makes a statement... He always reverts back to what the correct thing is, you know, like dropping Ramsey, pulling that deal, then he's back in the team by March. Meza Ozil, literally, you know, he, he said a few weeks ago, the club's agreed that the strategy is to freeze him out. Then he's playing on Monday, then he's playing on Thursday, and then he's playing at the weekend. It's like there's no consistency or backbone to any of the decisions that he makes. I I think the um, I think the Ozil Terraro positional thing i think that's part of the dysfunction i don't think that's how he intended to set it out but i think i think Meza was getting frustrated and not getting the ball from the back three so he's going back to get it and as a result of that Torreira was sort of hanging further forward but this goes back to this insistence on playing out the back which we're clearly not capable of he seems to think that changing the system will fix it how about changing your mind and sticking with the system and letting those players get comfortable week in week out uh, with with what they're doing because at the moment it's chop change chop change tink- I mean it's it's worse than the the tinker man at you know of, of, of Claudio it's uh, Chelsea it's fascinating it was fascinating to watch the Liverpool Manchester City game at the weekend um, like just watching uh, Manchester City's off the ball movement. Um, um, was uh, you know mesmeric uh, at times. I felt that they were a little unlucky in that game. But the the interesting thing was watching Liverpool play out of the back because the the, the first pass always makes it out. Um, you know, like you would hope with Arsenal. But then you know we, we get two or three passes and then we have a player ball that doesn't go anywhere. It was interesting to watch Liverpool like when they transition out of defence. They were quite often playing a long ball to one of the front three who dropped deep, you know, like it happened twice um, on the right, I believe, like Mo Salah coming back to pick up that second pass and then, cap, you know, catching somebody on the overlap. But it's like Liverpool had like three or four ways of playing out the back that had clearly been drilled. And I just don't understand why Emery can't just figure that out. I mean, it feels like such a basic, you know, and even at a higher level and back to the language thing, we're so dysfunctional at Arsenal that nobody has said to Emery, hey, Emery, in England, these aren't pronounced with Bs. So when you say good evening, it's incorrect. Say good evening because people are making jokes about you. You know, so it's like we can't, we, he can't even fix the easiest, one of the easiest words in the English language. 
Um, so and then we're expecting. I, I will. I will say in defense of Spaniards, that is that is tough for them because their V does sound very much like a V sound. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I know, like Valencia, or you know, however you know, so I probably like mauled um, that pr- pronunciation there. But 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 my my point is that the, that he can't fix the word evening, and we're expecting him to be able to fix anything else in the squad. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's really challenging to watch. So <clears throat> so. The um, there was a there was a bad press release that got leaked to the Athletic with David Ornstein. Then there was a better one that was linked leaked more generally after Arsenal had two hundred people down at the training ground to explain that they weren't actually happy, but they're basically they're going to back the manager and they you know the, the, that's all they can say at the moment. But it did feel more like a dreaded vote of confidence. So um, there are a lot of theories about what Arsenal could do next. Um, there is the sack him immediately. Um, there is the give him the next four easy games and then let him you know, see how he handles a very tough December. Or there is um, what is rumoured to be Raul's favoured option, which is like, let's just, let, let's just deal with this at the end of the season. Um, I, I don't want to know... Raul just wants to go on holiday, man. He's yeah, like, let's, just, let's pick this up in 2020. Let's table this. He wants to t- stack it in. But, so um, if, if you... I just want to ask you two separately. Like, If you're in charge of Arsenal now and you can see what's coming up, you know the importance of the Champions League, Like, how are you dealing with this situation? And like, tell me your rationale as to why. Dan, okay. give it to me. All right. Well, I, I think... Honestly, I think um, the club got caught on the back foot here. Embarrassingly, they they just haven't been thinking about the uh, eventuality that they'll have to to sack the manager, excuse me, the coach. So they they they've let it get to this boiling point, and now they they've got to put out a statement because they need some time to line up interviews. I, I think they were just caught with their pants down, quite frankly, and, and needed to buy a little time. I, I have to assume they're, they're going to start, uh, you know, working the phones and lining some guys up. But I, I don't know. The, I, I did lose a little confidence in that stance once, once they put out the, the new league that, that they would just, just say, you know, maybe come January, if we're, you know, if we're in striking distance to top four, maybe that's okay. It's, it's just so pathetic, honestly. I, I don't really know if they, if they have any. I, I thought they were just playing catch up, but I, I don't know if there's any concrete plan at this point. If I was personally in charge, I'm, I'm fine putting out little, some fake statements till I line up a couple interviews. But honestly, like the, the performances, I, I just, they've been getting steadily worse for me. And there, there's no like uh, clear philosophy any longer. There may have been at one time, maybe a year ago, when we tried to press, but that seems to be abandoned, like every other idea. So I, I say, you, you gotta just give him the chop. We've gotta, you know, put put Freddie in there. What's the worst that could happen if he if he holds us over for a bit? Put Paramurtasacker in there. What's the worst that could happen? You know, it's it's no, nothing's gonna get better, and I think it'll just get even more toxic as time goes on. Ash, what are you doing? What's your decision? I tend to agree. Three weeks ago, people at the club were doing interviews about how we might be able to sort of challenge Liverpool for the title. We are now 17 points off them. Nine you know? points off Leicester, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and I know we'd sort of done the language thing, but, you know, he was, again, the coach was, he was sort of out-mind-gamed 
by Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. You know, it's it's not a great place. There is clearly an issue, and I think we've got to rip you got to rip the plaster off now. It's as simple as that. Um, I agree that we've got to give it to Fed at Freddie, but expect nothing out of it. Um, and then track that and then look at how we put the structure in. The other thing that came to me sort of um, earlier is that I don't think Edu's frightened of making change. I don't think he's an issue. I mean, he fired seven people from the academy this week or last week, wasn't it, um, who were all... Gazidis's mates. I know Steve Morrow played for us, but um, there's some very interesting links as to why Steve Morrow was in that job, um, which sort of sat around the core of the club, not sort of integrated into it. But um, so I do think there's there's an appetite for change where it's needed. I just I think the club have absolutely misjudged this. I don't I think it's crept up on them. I don't think they've done any kind of planning of what if we go on a bad run. What if we have you know, a month like this, or what if our top four players get injured? You know, I just I don't get it. And he and this is the other thing, Pete. Like you said, you know, last time he can't hide behind injuries. No, he's, he's exactly what I was thinking. We are we are at full strength, and we're very rarely at full strength at this stage of the season. I mean, there's there's normally a, like two or three injuries that you're dealing with. The fact that um, and I, I think the the scary thing is I, I don't know who said it. I, I was I think it was either um, it was either somebody from the Telegraph or it was Ornstein, but the 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 story was they they basically weren't thinking that they needed to replace a manager up until um, the, the Palace game. So there's uh, and the, I know that there's a, a rumor permeating that they don't want to sack the manager because they don't want to pay him out. I just do not believe that VNI. Um, would have spent so much money in the summer that they couldn't possibly have sacked a manager that was I- I under um, extreme pressure towards the end of the season. So I don't believe that story. But my my, my thoughts on the, the, the manager piece, uh, and I, I wrote this uh, before Edu signed, I, I thought that, they, that we'd run into trouble in this half of the season. But I don't think the pressure from the fans is quite at the level it needs to be for them to pull the trigger. I think it would work better for Edu if the fans are literally protesting and throwing seats um, versus now where it doesn't even appear that the away fans uh, have got a song. So I, I think that they've got four easy games coming up, relatively easy. Um, and then we go into, uh, then we go into December. Um, like Gutfield says that they'll, they, they don't have a plan for, you know, from what I understand. And we can see the way that they're fumbling around having dinner with people like Jose Mourinho and talking up um, uh, like Luis Enrique, like that is not planning. Um, that is, you know, Ed Woodward style um, succession thinking. So <laughs> I, I, I think I think that uh, that we could win the next four games on the bounce, uh, and then we'll head into December. And you know, last year it was pretty bleak. But the the big the big big worry I have is if if they jump into bed with uh, Mourinho. Um, or you know, trial uh, Allegri, who I think is a great coach, but um, I, I think that he could cause problems a little bit later down the line because I, I think we're a bigger mess than everybody else thinks. I just, I just worry that, that next hire could really bury us, and particularly uh, Mourinho. Things are so bad that everybody's warming to him. Um, so, uh, so I, I think that I would hope that I would hope that the club wait until they got a plan. The big worry is if he if he loses the next two games, they're going to pull the trigger, and then we're open to a a big mistake. 
but that's why I think Freddie's key in all of this. I think um, both financially and sort of coming up with a better plan and recruitment process than they clearly had before. And also, you know, the issue with doing something now is you're going to try and find someone available versus you're actually going to go out into the market, approach another club, you know, and go and do a deal. Now, that said, some of those names are um, are interesting and some of them aren't. I, I think the Mourinho thing, by the way, is less of a thing than it is. I think it was two business people, people two people in the same business having dinner. And who knows who initiated that, by the way? If sloppy Mourinho though, phones right? in, uh, it, Sloppy going out. No, I don't think so. I think if Mourinho phoned you up and where, said, I where want to have that dinner. Come from, you, by the way, where, where did the uh, Mourinho the, dinner rumor come from? Came from the Times. They were photographed. They were, yeah, they were photographed having dinner together. They were photographed, okay. Yeah. Not by a paper. I think it was a fan that saw them or something like that. But I might be wrong on that. But the, um, I, I think those kinds of things are fine. People in industries talk to one another all the time. And like Mourinho phoned him up and said, I want to have dinner. It might be for all sorts of reasons. It might be that he's lonely and clearly as he's not wearing his wedding ring at the moment, he needs a mate. Or it might be that he is. Or maybe Mourinho's fishing for the job, not the other way around, you know. So I think there's too much being read into some of those things. Um, I, I probably do think he has talked to Luis Enrique um, to sound him out to see what his future plans are. Uh, and again, I'm not advocating for him either. I think we just need to have a little bit more of a grown-up approach. Like if, if we had turned up, any of us, to our jobs and behaved in the way that any of this lot have behaved, I wouldn't expect to be coming in on Monday morning. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. What are you talking about, um, Jacker, or are you talking about the lot of them and the way that they've handled everything? Just a, just a trio. It's been quite here's, here's my Here's my list. Unai Emery, Granite Jacker, whoever the head of comms is, and and, and Raul. Mark G, you coming from Mark G's head? Where has he well, been? He's, he's normally runs such a slick operation, right? And where you well, been? This is it. We are such a watertight club when it comes to comms and things like that, and we have been not, we've been the polar opposite of that. Yeah, it was it was actually uh, really strange to hear all these these manager links, which is kind of why I think we got we got caught um, caught unprepared because it it really sounds like uh, Ornstein called up like Raúl and he read out his his uh, his black book to him. You know, just just floating names that he knows. Like, Enrique, that do anything for you? Uh, <laughs> Jose Mourinho, may have heard of him. Big timer, won the league. It it just sounds like the sort of uh, manager list you'd pull up if you hadn't been paying attention to the Premier League for a long time. Yeah, or just <laughs> European football. Television's right? been off for, it, for the, at least five years. It, but this is or what maybe, happens or, when you're straight. Or maybe you're, or maybe you're Josh Cronkey, and that's the name. Those are the names you know because you only watch it from Colorado and once every couple of months in London. Yeah, but you know the thing with Josh Cronkey, well, not Josh, but but his dad and the things that they've done at LA. You know, hiring and hiring in a young, exciting coach because they know that they want to they want to win the ratings. And I, I think it was Stan said, you know, if, if you're going to put a team in LA, it's got to be the best. Otherwise, no one's going to go and, and watch them play. And it's it just kind of, I mean, maybe they tried to do something special at Arsenal. I mean, like, you know, they, they put a bit of investment in. They pulled next year's um, transfer kitty into this year to create a splash. But like when, you, when you've got Emery running the show, it's always going to be bland on toast. So um, disappointing. But um, 
Ash, I'm aware that you might have to leave um, now. I've got a few minutes, but you, yeah. Um, cool. All right, so next, next topic of conversation. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. The Arteta rumors are back. The Arteta <laughs> rumors are back. I've, yes. I've, I've missed writing about a guy that, um, that excites me uh, a lot. He's had another year out of the limelight. Um, uh, but he's, 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 he's got another Premier League trophy. He seems even closer to Pep than he was before. And um, I believe The Sun uh, had quotes saying that Arsenal had him back on their short list and Manchester City said they would not stand in his way. Guys, I feel like the tide has turned and everybody is ready to indulge my uh my my hipster dreams over here like give like tell me that you're with me tell me that you are with me and that you want beautiful cognitive football coming to the arsenal oh absolutely peter get get unai's greasy disgusting motor oil hair out of our club and give me that beautiful dew from my gorgeous boy Mikel. his hair's so perfect ash what are you saying are you are you with me um, are you behind this idea so when I was at school, we had a Spanish chef there. I went to quite a posh school. And uh, he also had similar Unai hair. And we were all convinced he's used Bongella in it to, uh, to keep it that way. <laughs> oh That's an aside. The, um, the Mikel thing, I think, is, is interesting. And I do want that kind of football. Absolutely. Whether it's Mikel or not, and there's an interesting point. There's an interesting thing going on around the kind of Man City group of clubs at the moment where... They're willing to let Arteta go, but the person they've got, and it looks like they're going to send to New York and has got European experience and they are grooming to take over from Pep, is Giovanni van Bronckhorst, who, funnily enough, was also an Arsenal player and has won the Dutch league. Granted, it's not the same as the Premier League. So I wonder if there's a combination of factors there that we could just lift out of that place. A bit of Mikel, a bit of Freddie, a bit of Gio. And... uh, I mean, no one's going to argue with, definitely with, with Gio, because he's a hard bastard. Um, so, what, yeah. what did, they, I, did I, Gio, I, I, Gio and Arteta play at the same time when they were at Rangers as well? Not as well. Or was that a little bit before his time? Cause it was a bit before his time. So Gio and Pep will have played together at Barcelona, wouldn't they? Right, okay. And, and didn't uh, New, York, uh, New York took on Torrent? Is it, is it Torrent, the, uh, the old assistant? Of Pep, I don't think he did very yeah. well when he came to New York. I just don't no, understand right. why. Like, I, I, I think that Pep Guardiola recently said that he believed that Arteta would be his successor. Um, I think I thought there was another reason for Van Bronckhurst going to New York because the idea of going to New York before you fed into Manchester City it doesn't seem like a, a wise career move unless you're just doing the standard New York sabbatical that quite a few of those guys have done. Well, it's not I a think, sabbatical, is it? It's the it's the, it's the uh, city organization training ground. You know, it's the uh, the experimental little stop where you go and and try it out on your own first, right? It's training wheels, right? Yeah, totally right. I agree. But I think it's interesting that they're doing that to Gio in the sense that um, I mean, he's managed an Eredivisie side for three seasons. Um, and he's won, what, he won a, a couple of cups. I think he won the league. Did he win the league? I, he's he's done he's done quite well. Yeah, he's done really well, and um, so I think. But I'll go back to my. I'll go back to the point. I think us trying to make a decision now is a fool's errand as a club or as a group of mates um, sitting on a line without any beer. But um, 
you know, it's 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 great for the column inches and for the media and all the speculation. I think I think that's got to come second. I think we've got to deal with the issue now. We've got a situation where, by the way, according to the bookmakers, it is, you know, they think it is more likely that Arsene Wenger will be Arsenal manager in January than Unai Emery will. Jeez, don't uh, I'm feeling for Arsene Wenger at the moment. He's he is uh, it's it, it's sad that how desperate he is to get back into elite level football, and it's so obvious that no one's going to take a punt on him. Um, but I, I you know I, I you, you I, have I to say though, wouldn't you be a little curious to see what Wenger could do with this squad? Just a little. No, I'd be curious to see what he could do with Bayern Munich squad. I, yeah, I would. <laughs> I would rather watch it from afar. Well, the interesting thing with Arsene Wenger is he's he's taken quite a bit of time out. And you know whatever you want to say about him, like he has charisma, he's smart, um, like he's got uh, an interesting philosophy. If if he did, uh, or if he had implemented on on him, uh, you know, like, uh, PSG with Thomas Tuchel, they they hired in the best assistant coach in Europe. Um, his name is Zolt, something a Hungarian guy. They they hired him uh, a coach to sort of like take the edges off, and you know somebody that had a very specific skill set. I, I, I always wondered, you know, if Arsene Wenger had ripped out his backroom team in 2010 and hired the best young up-and-coming minds from Germany or Spain to to help him be a better coach or leader and help him like move into the next stage of his career, he could have definitely won at least a couple of league titles in that time, um, like maybe a Champions League. So it does make you wonder, like, I know that Mourinho now doesn't have a backroom team and he's going to start from scratch at his next club. Um, Wenger's going to have to do the same because his he, old backroom team are far too old to follow him to a, a big club. But, you know, can can old giants learn new tricks? Not that I want him at Arsenal, but, you know, it's, I, I guess it's just a, <laughs> I just guess it's more, a, more of a general question. Because, you know, um, Alex Ferguson uh, you're right. always he did, right? He should have, while he was here, refreshed, you know. As the old adage goes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And unfortunately for Wenger, for all intents and purposes, he became Arsenal uh, to his ultimate detriment. Right? But that, that's I'm, the past. That's the past. Let's let let him focus on the book. I want to read the book. I want the uh, I want every volume that's coming out. I want to know all about the entire football world. But let's let's talk. I, I want to pose a question to you about the future, Arteta. Maybe we don't, Ash, maybe we don't get him right now. Maybe we wait and uh, bide our time. But if you're Arteta, would you accept such a position from a club that's already snubbed you once when you may, in fact, be able to even just sit tight for a year and take over from Pep Guardiola? I think he's smarter than that. And I think um, I think you probably, for your first big job, you don't want to take over from the man that is... Guardiola, because that's all you're going to do is get comparisons to him. I think he, he, he probably wants to go off, be his own man. I also think this is why they let uh, Vieira go to Nice. I think they're actually deliberately letting them go out um, to other clubs to get external influence, to deal with different pressures, and then to bring them back into the fold. It wouldn't surprise me. It's, you know, I've just come back from the Rugby World Cup and it's what the All Blacks have been doing for years. They position all their coaches at other countries and then bring them back home. You know? That's a very interesting theory, Ash, and I have never thought of that. That's um it's almost like Barcelona used to do with their young players. Like we don't care if he takes Cesc at sixteen, because if he's good, we'll bring him back at twenty two. 
exactly right. And I think it's a smart move, to be fair. And you, you... But, you know, the whole club has effectively been set up and run by former Arsenal people for bloody years anyway. Was it Brian Marwood still there? I don't know if he is. I think he is at least in you know, some titular kind of... Shiggy Berger, Berigstein, or whatever his name is, is the guy who runs it, right? Ex-Barca. Yeah. So my, uh, my, uh, my thing with Arteta and the reason I think it is exciting is um, Emery has Emery is crash-landed Arsenal. He's, he's, he's lowered everybody's expectations. Um, Arsenal are now... Um, like we've moved away from the legend of Wenger and we've got um, the misery of Emery. I think it would be a, a fantastic move of him because like I think I think what Chelsea have done, whether it works or not, is is just genius in my opinion. They took the the, the transfer ban on the chin when they could have fought it and they said, Okay, so we're gonna bring Frank Lampard in. First year we're gonna see how good these young players are. This is basically uh, a free year for Frank Lampard. That Chelsea lowered the expectations. No one's expecting Frank Lampard to finish in the top two this year. Um, if he does well, um, then next season they can inject players in the positions where they're slightly weak. Um, so Fa- Frank Lampard's buying a lot of credit with um, w- with fans where he already had you know a, a stack load of it um, in in the cachet, and they're trying to move towards a more exciting vision of football. They're using young players to sort of like cloud some of the poor performances. And you know what? The media are buying into it. The fans are buying into it. And like even the neutrals, Chelsea are almost, almost likable. And I think that that's what Arsenal can do with Arteta. We've got a bunch of young players um, that could do with some excellent coaching. Uh, We know Hector Bellerin really likes him. We know like Fernandinho's spoken about Arteta in the press. Um, He's been widely credited for the development of Raheem Sterling. Um, Pep Guardiola says that he's already a manager um, behind the scenes. And from what I understand, like he's got, uh, like he's he's a very innovative thinker and he's super hungry. And I think if he sold that vision that he sold to Arsenal fans in the 2016 Arsenal magazine where he's like, you know, like I I believe in entertaining football, like fast paced, 150% commitment. Um, Like I believe in innovation. Like those are, those are all the things as an Arsenal fan that you want to see. And I just think that um, like now is the right time to take a chance. It's not the time for cowardice and hiring in, uh, you know, the, the parentheses, you know, the winner um, manager. And I think the fans would buy into it because, you know what, we're not a Mourinho club. We're, we're a Wenger club and we need to see entertaining football. And if, if Pep Guardiola, if, if Arteta can bring, you know, 50% of what Pep has brought to Manchester City, we are in a far better position than we are under Unai Emery. At least there'll be joy. So that's my sales pitch for Arteta. <laughs> right on. I, I well, there we go. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ash. Sorry. No, no. I thought, I thought it was fantastic noise, Pete. Fantastic <laughs> noise. How dare you? How dare you? Okay. No, so... I, I'm, all, I'm all in, baby. Uh, the, the, I think you mentioned it in the blog today too. But the, the greatest thing our, our Ted ever said. It was, it was like, react to how the other team plays. Couldn't be me, man. Could not be me. I, 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 well, I don't know if it, it'll work perfectly with our current group of players and how he wants to play, but I think he's a smart guy and he'll figure it out. And it, it would be amazing to have him, uh, to, to have him at the helm. And I think the wider point as well is it's like, yes, you can hire Jose Mourinho in and he might get you into the top four this season, but he's a busted flush. 
at the top of the game. He doesn't have ideas um, that can take you into a Champions League final now. Like he, there, there is a ceiling to that, like to that winner manager. Whereas Arteta, if you've got that visionary idea of what the game should be, like he can train a team up. So when we do get back into the Champions League, whether it's this season or the season after, you've got a mindset and a vision and a philosophy in place that could potentially push you um, like into the semi-final or the finals, you know, just because the system is, is is so well trained and the players are so well ingrained in how to play the game, and I I, I just don't want to go for a manager that's clearly got a ceiling and that, that that's finished because Unai Emery was finished, whether we like to admit it or not. Like he's uh, you know the, the, he, he the only manager since the um, the Sheiks took over. Uh, to not win the league there. I mean, like, so we, we, we basically hired a, a dead man walking from the start, but I think that the next move has to be visionary, even though I do worry that Raul has got, you know, a bit of a taste for the finer things. He's the nouveau riche, and I think that Mourinho appears, appeals to listen, somebody that without a plan. Listen, you, you say that now, but just wait. I'm, I'm currently in contact with uh, Mikel's people. I'm going to coach him on PowerPoint presentations. I'm an absolute pro at building decks, making beautiful, glossy presentations that grab your attention. That's all he needs to get in. Um, I, just I, some, I love just some good, just some good clip art. Just great some, clip art. Just some beautiful clip art, indeed. Okay, guys. Well, um, I, I, we're hitting 49 minutes on this. I know that Ash has got to go to a meeting. Um, Ash, thanks for joining. Um, I know that you've been busy. No worries. Um, great to hear your thoughts, Dan. Great to have you back on the pod. Um, the, not yes. even you're not even the resident language expert, um, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, but good to have you on. Um, we will be yep. back. Thanks for having me. Next week, um, like don't do anything dangerous in the international week. It will be over soon. Thanks for joining us. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Sports Social Podcast Network.